everybody and welcome to the final episode of Can You Put To Me On Guest List of 2019. Just before we start, I just want to say a huge, huge thank you to everyone that has listened, supported, shared the podcast. I've loved every minute of it and I can't wait to chat to more exciting guests in 2020. This week, my guest is Neil Evans. I'm sure that anyone that is listening to this podcast that works in the industry knows or has heard of Neil from promoting some of the best events in Ibiza to managing well-known names in dance music. He's been coming to the island since 1999 and since then has worked on so many different projects in nearly all of the clubs on the island, including Space, Amnesia, Privilege, Pasha and Ibiza Rocks and also co-founded Electric Ibiza which is a 360 artist and label management and event promotion company. Like if you look back to sort of 1999, 2000, um, you've got space, come out of space, got DC10 um, and I think it also had a little bit of a shock factor and I don't feel there's a shock factor in Ibiza anymore. Um, you, you know, it was, the gay community was a lot bigger. Um, I didn't, it, it just, there was, you know, like you had La Troya, you had Manumission, you had all of these really like, wow, am I going to go in there? You know, as a, yeah, as a, as a, as a guy from Sunderland at that age, you'd, you know, walking around La Troya or Manumission or whatever was, was a little bit weird. Yeah. And like, but it was great. And, and I think there's, there's a big lack of that we talk about his beginnings in the industry, what's missing in Ibiza nowadays, balancing his work as a promoter and as a manager, DJ fees, his really, really exciting projects for 2020, and a lot, lot more. Thank you again for such an amazing year, and I'll see you next year. Hello, Neil. Hello, how are you? I'm very well, how are you? I'm doing good in the winter. Relaxing? Well, kind of relaxing. You never relax. <laughs> <laughs> how how has your winter been so far at um, the island? Yeah, it's been it's been good. Make sure you're talking to the mic. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it's been good <laughs> so far. Um, it's a little, uh, the weather's not so nice at the moment, but yeah, it's um, there's plenty going on with work wise, so enough to keep me busy. It's not so nice for Ibiza. No, God. sorry, yes, <laughs> we just used to because we're in Ibiza. I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Apologies to everyone else in the other cold parts of the world. <laughs> yeah. Right, so let's start off from the very beginning. How did you get into the music industry? Um, so I brought a record shop um, in my hometown. Um, Which is? In Sunderland, in the north of England. Um, and that kind of just developed from there. With a passion for dance music before that, um, that developed into the record shop and then the record shop. It was good for a period of time, but at, the, at, the, at that point, it's like vinyl sales were, weren't, as, weren't as good as what they used to be. Things, the digital market started coming in. And um, yeah, it kind of just changed into a... A record label and then from there record label into managing acts and then managing acts and then because all of that come the record label and then you start doing showcases and and then that kind of developed into uh events um and i was quite close with um some some uh, some of the promoters for like for global underground and so yeah it just developed into an event side of the business as well so before long i was doing the record shop the record label events and then looking after some artists but then the record shop closed and I can sort of 
moved on with with managing artists more. How long did you have the record shot for? Um, I think it was around maybe two and a half years, three okay. years, something like that. So you were when you were managing artists, you were still back in the UK at this yes. point. Well, yeah. yeah. So um, I had the record shop, and then in the summers I used to come to Ibiza and let, let some other people look after the record shop at home. But when I used to go back. They'd fucked it up. And then I'd spent all the money in Ibiza and then I would go home to an empty record shop with no money in the record shop. <laughs> so it was like, right, I think this record shop just best go. So yeah, it went up for sale and it It's either going to Ibiza yeah, or the yeah. record shop. <laughs> so I won't so continue to go to Ibiza. <laughs> and when did you permanently decide to move here? It's been on and off for a long, long time. Um, but like this time since I've permanently lived back in Ibiza, sorry, it's been, I think, 2011. So yeah. 2011. 2011, 2012. That's since I've never left and went back to live anywhere else. So, But when did you first start coming here? 1999. 1999. Yeah. As a clubber. 20 years ago. Yes, shush. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah, 1999 as a clubber and then, then I was here for, I think I was here 2000, 2001, 2002. Um, and then I had a little break. And yeah, I've just, I've always been around a bit really in some capacity. Yeah. And what was your first job here on the island? Um, first music job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I used to do events at um, the old Ushuaia, um, which was La Plage. When so yes, it was Ushuaia, then it changed to La Plage. I think it was for one year, and then went what? It what was year like, was that? Sorry. I think that must have been 2010, 2011. Okay. It was. I mean, how long has Ushuaia been open now? I don't. I can't remember. I don't, oh, so yeah, a while. So yeah, it will. It'll have been called La Plage the year that Ushuaia moved to its new, well, its home where it is now, because obviously it was like it was the the beach bar before. Um, and I did some events there, and then I came back the following year and. I was involved in Renaissance at the time. Um, so we opened a club in Birmingham called Gibbs Street Warehouse. And then um, Jeff stayed in, in England running that while I was here doing the programming and the and the the bookings and stuff and promotions for Renaissance or Pasha. Um, and then after that, I went to St. East to do Flying Circus and then blah, 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 blah. It goes on and on. Yes. How has Ibiza's clubbing culture changed since when you first got here until now and how has that um, influenced your work? Um, when I used to come, when, like if you look back to sort of 1999, 2000, um, you go to space, come out of space, go to DC-10 um, and I think it also had a little bit of a shock factor and I don't feel there's a shock factor in Ibiza anymore. Um, you, you know, it was, the gay community was a lot bigger. Um, I didn't, it, it just, there was, you know, like you had La Troya, you had Manumission, you had all of these really like, wow, am I going to go in there? You know, as a, yeah, as a, as a, as a guy from Sunderland at that age, you'd, you know, walking around La Troya or Manumission or whatever was, was a little bit weird. Yeah. And like, but it was great. And, and I think there's, there's a big lack of that it's all like that big, wow factor. That wow factor that, like, you know, going into a nightclub and being shocked by things that you wouldn't normally see in, yeah. like, in, in, a, in a club in England or, or something like that. And I think it really does lack that sort of shock, you know, whether it's, yeah, whether it's 
sex performances on the stage or or you know, just every walk of life being in the club I just feel now it's quite yeah it's not the same as what it used to be yeah. um yeah I'm sure lots of people will, will understand what I mean if they were around in them days you know yeah so I think that's one thing um and I would like to try and we have actually been talking about it the last few weeks to try and think what we can do that might sort of bring something like that back a little bit. Yeah. I mean, El Rose got that whole crazy thing going on, and it's, but it's not as, it's not weird or it's not, you know, it's you don't see the weird and the wonderful people in there like you would back then. Yeah, it so, still has that like kind of wow to it. Yeah. It's all big and crazy, but it's yeah. all kind of the same. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, I think I think some club, some of the club, it's like, it's, you know, it's the same walks of life. It's a different, national, different nationalities, but, you know, you haven't got them, you haven't got the, the gay clubs in, in, in a beaver town like you used to have. And yeah. It's just, it's just very different. It's a very different place now. And then when did you start Electric Ibiza? So we, we started Electric Ibiza in, I think we're five years in now. Um, it was kind of a, it, it happened by, by, by accident, really, because um, my business partner Lisa Boroughclough, um, she uh, she worked for Gatecrasher when when Simon re- relaunched Gatecrasher in Ibiza, um, which didn't go very successfully, as most people will know. Um, but Lisa worked for Gatecrasher back in England and also for um, for Home uh, and Homelands and all them things in the past. And she worked with like Darren Hughes and <coughs> and Simon Rain and. Um, for Ron McCulloch and things like that. So she worked, the club didn't go very well. She'd moved from England out here, sort of made her roots here, and then she was kind of let down by the Gatecrasher project. I was doing, I was kind of let down by the Gatecrasher project, so we decided to try and work together on some things. Yeah. Um, And then, yeah, five years in, and we've went from sort of one night to multiple things around the world. So when you started, were, were you doing artist management and label management um, at that time as well? So we, it was more like just club. It was more just a club event. Um, we started with um, we started with our own event at Vista, which has it's become Do Not Sleep. Um, oh, I never knew that. So That's yeah, our first show was at Vista, um, and then we also had a Saturday night in the club as well, which was Hard Times, which we licensed from. A, a mutual friend in Yorkshire, um, which is an old sort of an older nineties uh, sort of two thousands house, really sort of respected house brand from the UK. So yeah, so then I, we we kind of we got involved in the artist management because we take we took on Darius so Rossi and it was the resident at the time, and it was kind of a temporary thing to the to for the management. It was only me doing it, and then since then the development the company developing it doing artist management for multiple artists. Artists, and then we started to decide we should do some more events and et cetera, et cetera. So, and then again, it naturally turns into label. let's start a label, let's do another label, let's do a label management part, let's do a publishing part, and then it's, it's kind of just grown like really organically since we started it, really. So, what are some of the brands and artists that you're working with at the moment? So we we have our own in-house brands, um, which we have Cuckoo Land at Ibiza Rocks on a Friday. We have do Not Sleep, um, which has been at Amnesia this year, and we're working on some new deals for next year. Um, and then we have, uh, we're partners in a in a pool party series in Miami called Epic Pool Parties, which came about because I used to do it a long time ago with a, my other, with a business partner, John Cowan, and we joined forces with him again. So we're doing, we did that this year, and we're doing it again in 2020. 
um, which that's where we license other brands in or curate events around around people. And then, yeah, we're now working on other new events and, yeah, more labels. And, yeah. What about artist side? Um, so at the moment, um, I'm kind of, I'm not moving away from the artist management, but there's, we now have um, some artist managers that work in the, in the business for us. So, yeah, we have um, Josh Butler, Sydney Charles, Huxley, um, uh, Michael looks after um, the 3D guys, which is some, some guys that I used to work with again in the past, which Darren Emerson from Ulder Underworld. Um, we look after the Amnesia residents, Marty and uh, Luca Donzelli. Um, oh, you've got Seb loads of your Sorry, I can't remember all your names. <laughs> <laughs> what do you find more challenging, managing an artist or promoting an event? Oh, it depends what artist it is. <laughs> um, to be honest, they've both got their ups and downs. Yeah. Um, I think you get a lot of... It's nice. It's nice to have an artist and that you've worked on for a while, and then you, you know, you suddenly start to every time you listen to Pete Tong or you listen to Danny Howard, and this their music constantly yeah. on Radio One, and then you're looking at the charts, and they're always at the top of the charts, and that's you know, you feel like you've done something for someone or you've done it together, and so that they're both they're they're both equally rewarding. Um, challenging again, both the same really. Things go wrong all the time in both sides of the business, so. Um, but it's also really good that it's uh, when you get to the end of the night and you've had a full event and you've smashed it. Sm well, yeah, yeah, you've smashed it or <laughs> you're smashed or yeah, it's uh, yeah. The, but I, I can't really pick one to be honest. They both have their rewards and they're both equally challenging. Yeah, and then that kind of comes into my next question as well. How do you balance, for example, these? both of these different profiles because obviously like on a night time if you you have an event you're gonna have to be up until really really late and then the next morning i'm sure there'll be artists that want things done in the morning or um, how do you balance this i'm actually quite good at uh going out till 10 a.m and then starting work at one or maybe even earlier sometimes i i don't know how i don't think i'll be good at for, for a long time but yeah i'm i'm generally quite good at that but um, I think a lot of the artists on the artist management side understand that if we have an event on a Thursday, that I generally won't be around on a Friday <laughs> to, have a, yeah. to have a call. If yeah. there is something mega important, then we'll, you know, we'll try and structure something. But yeah, I think most of them know me well enough to, um, to stay so, out my way on a Friday. Yeah. Then. <laughs> uh, but we have, the last three years, we've had events that run like Friday, into, sorry, Thursday into Friday or Friday into Saturday or two events both on the same day, and that can be a little bit of a problem. Yeah, you to speak to you yeah, next week. Yeah, I'll definitely speak to you next week. <laughs> <laughs> and you have obviously, as you said before, worked um, at most of the clubs here in Ibiza. Do they run the same way as clubs do in the UK, or do they have their own particular way of working? Um, they definitely have their own particular way of working, <laughs> mentioning no names. Um, to be honest, like the way I work, the way I've worked with Ibiza nightclubs over the years is probably I've been, I've worked a lot deeper within the nightclubs in Ibiza than I have in the UK. If UK events have always done branded events, or the the promotions and the action, the and the back end and all the that that kind of stuff, I've never read really, the operations. I've never really had to get involved in because, yeah. like I said, it's always been a branded thing. So my experience, I mean, I've done you know I've worked at festivals and lots of other things in the UK, but not where I'm sort of 
have to get deeply involved. Yeah. But in Ibiza, yeah, I think you know I've done this. I've done Privilege, Pasha, Sangi's Space, Amnesia. I think, oh, yeah, I think that's it. Ushuaia? Um, no, I, I wouldn't, we haven't done anything with Ushuaia. Um, well, you've done basically all of them. Yeah, a few. Um, yeah, and they're all, they've all, Ibiza Rocks, but they've all got their, they've all got their different ways of working. Some of them are a little bit more up to date, some of them are a little bit more traditional in their thoughts. <laughs> um, some of them, yeah, but it's, I suppose that's different in all businesses. You yeah. know, people run their business very different. Some are very corporate, some are not. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you think is the hardest part of running a, an event here in Ibiza? Standing, waiting to see if anyone's going to walk in the fucking door. <laughs> um, door twitching. I'm really bad for it. For do you first, get really nervous? For the, it's, I don't know, it's not nervous. It's like, it's, for the first hour, I'm just constantly walking backwards and forwards to the door. Just like, is anyone coming in? Is anyone, I'm talking <laughs> to the bouncers and I, is, is, are people not normally here by now? Like, I should really know that by like hundreds and hundreds of events in. But yeah, it's just one of them things and that probably leads to a few drinks. And um, <laughs> Yeah, but once once the doors are open, you've done all the hard work, really. Yeah. You know, the, all the hard work for an Ibiza season probably starts... Well, you would like it to start at ADE and you try and pretend that it starts at ADE, but essentially it probably starts end of January. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we've got a little bit of a lead up this year and we start working on things a lot earlier than we normally have. Did so, you used to work this, like when you first came here in, uh, to Ibiza back in when you yeah. first started doing your events, did you used to start this early well, on as well? No. Um, I, I think I remember when I was doing them, the last lineups for the Renaissance years, um, things at Pasha. I think he was even in March when I was at conference, I was still really? finishing lineups. Well, the seasons were sort of shorter then as well, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, I think they've always they've been moving sort of backwards and forwards for a few years now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it depends. I mean, sometimes I'll still be waiting in March now because it's just moving things around. Um, but yeah, I want we've we've made a conscious effort to try and. Try and get a lot more done, and at the, the moment I'm like I'm doing the, the the program for these Miami events, so we're trying to sort of put two deals together, and like if you know if we can make things work with certain artists across Ibiza and yeah. um, Miami, then then that's what we're trying to do. But I'm also trying to I'm programming some other events in for for another for a Do Not Sleep tour in 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 New York and uh, South America and some other places around the world. So yeah, I'm trying to move things around so I can try and get some block bookings in and stuff at the, at the moment. Yeah. Does it seem to get harder to book artists in Ibiza because there's a lot more events um, going on? It's, you think, you, you, I had this conversation with Martin from Amnesia yesterday and I was like, so we were talking about um, certain artists just in agents not picking up the telephone. And I was like, well, I thought that just happened to me. He was like, no, it definitely <laughs> happens to all of us. So you, you kind of just think, is it only me that people are not answering or is it, or what? But I think it's everyone. I think it's, there's such a, there's such an open window for, for certain acts to, to be in a there and they, they only want that, the, you know, the six, 16 weeks and they want to play everywhere now. They don't want to be at, one residency so they're all spreading themselves a little bit too thin or and it, yeah, i think that it's, it's just very difficult to try and get all the dates in what you want like you want and what they want to play for you yeah um and it's just very competitive like it's the, the the money the money side of it's just getting more and more and more and 
if I'm honest, I'm not really sure how long them fees can last. Can last like this, you know? It's. Does it seem to get worse every single year? I think DJs put their fees up because they have a birthday, <laughs> and I don't think really that's. You know, if you're selling, if you're selling tickets and. And you can see a, a real growth in, in spike in ticket sales from from booking a certain artist one year. Then of course you're going to offer him some more or her some more money the next year. But just because they've turned 27 or whatever, that doesn't necessarily mean their their fees go up. You know, yeah. you would you don't go to your boss in a shop and say, "Look, boss, I've I've had a birthday. Can I have <laughs> 20 grand more?" It just doesn't work, like that, does it? It definitely doesn't. <laughs> It definitely doesn't. And do you find as well that because there are so many events that a lot of them are like, oh, I can't play with you because I'm playing at so-and-so or how does yeah, that work? It, it, it happens, but then you also see them online. Up, so, oh, I'm not going to do that, but they do because the offers might be more. Or, they had um, five birthdays yeah, all of a sudden. Yeah, five birthdays later. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it, it's, just, it's just a very dog-eat-dog kind of yeah. thing that's going on right now. Um, I think a lot more collaboration should should happen. Really, it's I think collaborative efforts on people working with each other can make things a little bit easier. But yeah, let's see what happens. Do you mean what do you mean collaborations between brands? Collaborations between brands. Collaborations between the clubs would be nice. What do you feel like people are kind of really like competitive? Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's definitely getting more competitive. But as, on in the end game, it has to be a lot because if you're investing a lot of money. You want you you want a return on your investment, so there's, you know, it can't be all sweetness and light out there. But yeah. you know, if, if people did pull together a little bit more, it might make things a little bit easier with Facebook. Who knows? Yeah, and what's happening in 2020? Um, Big what's year in 2020. So I've just, um, I've just been asked by Amnesia to come on board to help Marty with the programming of, uh, of the club, which Amazing. looks like it's going to be um, a start of a new sort of I don't know is it a new era who knows um, so yeah I lots like of that. changes there um, I'm continuing with the events that we have um, so will you be working with Amnesia all week round I'll be working Amnesia um, as and when I'm needed but yeah a lot of the time um, I've, we've, I've been working now I think for three or four weeks trying to bring new events in and we're programming different things to the club we've confirmed a few really good parties which I think will be a surprise to some people. Um, and, yeah, I just, I'm really happy to try and get my teeth into, a, yeah. into something new. Um, we'll continue doing not sleep, uh, whether it's, I'd say it's current home or not, we don't know, but um, it will be continuing. And then uh, Cook Land will continue in Ibiza Rocks, and then I might... I have a few other events up my sleeve somewhere along along the line. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Exciting times. And then finally, just to finish off, um, can you give me one guest list rule? Neil Evans. <laughs> really can't think of one. The amount of people that must ask you for guest list, though. Do you not ever get pissed off by yes. people? <laughs> oh, I tell you what it is. Make sure you fucking know me. To make sure you fucking know Neil Evans before you ask the guest It's list. like, honestly, how many people... Oh, hello, um, I used to go to school with a cousin of yours. Like, you don't even fucking know me because you're not getting any club free. You don't know my cousin either. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually really annoying. I'm a friend of your brother's. Yeah, no, you're, you're not. not. <laughs> Neil, thank you so much. Okay, thank you.
and uh, see you soon. Bye. Bye.